You are listening to Feast Radio, bringing God's love and grace on air. Listen to significant and heartfelt messages you can reflect on and pray about. May this message help prepare you to face challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself up to God's unlimited blessings. I want you to tell somebody beside you, not today, not today, not today. Miracles happen when we come together under the banner of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? Whenever we come together, hope rises, faith rises. Do you feel your faith rising? Hallelujah. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for doing church with us. All of you watching online, we thank you for clicking that button and, and being here with all of us. We want you to know that, that God is where you are. Wherever that may be, in your room, in your office, in your commute, God is there in the moment you decide that you're going to make that place where you are in an altar. That will become a tabernacle where God will show up. And that's what we're believing today, that God is going to speak a message, a word that will set somebody free here today. Are you ready to be set free? I said, are you ready to be set free? All right, praise God, praise God. Go ahead, clap your hands, give the Lord a big clap offering. Has God been blessing you? Has God healed somebody here? Has God provided for somebody here? Has God protected somebody here? We celebrate God's goodness in our life and we're so grateful to be able to do church live here in Barcelona Academy. Brother Alvin is not here, but we're grateful for the Barcelona family for allowing us to make use of this platform right here. Thank you so much, Brother Alvin and your family. We want to honor some people in the month of December. We weren't able to greet the birthday celebrants for December. Is there anybody here physically in our presence right now who's celebrating in the month of December? Raise your hand. We got Christian right here. We got a few people right here celebrating. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Come on. Keep your hands up. If you're online, give us a virtual hands. We want to pray for you and celebrate this day with you. Keep your hands up. If you're beside somebody with their hands raised, why don't you just gently lay your hands toward them? We want to bestow a blessing. This is the only gift we can give them. We're limited by the gifts that we can give them, but we're believing that God will be the one to bless them mightily and magnificently. And we just pray together. Father, we join our hearts in this moment thinking about this person that you love so much and we believe that there are plans, plans we do not yet know of, plans that we do not yet see, but we're already believing and walking in that strength that these plans are going to be good, they're going to be great, they're going to bring them to another level of grace and favor and Father we just pray that you would be the joy in their life. Give them the hope and the faith and the encouragement that they lost in the last couple of months and make them believe, Lord, that there is a strength waiting for them in this season. There is a promise that still waits for them in this season. We, we claim abundance, protection, provision, power, and most of all, above all, Jesus, your presence in their life every minute of every waking hour that they live. Bless them this year, Lord. Bless them so much that when people see them, they would know that you were the one who blessed them. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's clap our hands and say, Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Oh, what a blessing. What a blessing it is. 
you know, we need to be in a habit of praying for other people, especially, you know, we need to pray right now for the city of Baguio. Did you know that there's something happening in the city of Baguio right now? Not many know of this. Apparently, marami na daw hindi naliligo sa Baguio ngayon. So pray for Baguio. <laughs> That's just a joke. Maligo po kayo. Can you look at the person beside you? Mukha bang laligo? <laughs> oh, praise God. You know, it's so good, so good to be in the presence of Jesus today. And you, you know what? This is the last session. I, I might uh, as well um, announce this. This is the last session for the year that we're going to be giving a talk on the series, The Clash. We're going to resume our study in the Gospel of Matthew in January 9. Because next Sunday will be a special Christmas feast. So please inform the people around you. Inform your family members, your neighbors, your friends, your pets, your, your enemies. They want, you want to get this message ne- uh, next week because it's going to be a powerful, joyful message. All right? And then also, we're going to announce a little teaser that... On January 2, we don't have the details yet, but we're really claiming this and really proclaiming that we will have a live gathering for not just the people here in Barcelona Academy, but for those of you watching online. We're going to go out into the open air and then we're going to worship the Lord under the open heavens, under the open stars. And we're, we're talking to the LGU that will, will accommodate us, but do pray with us. We want to do this together. It's going to be hopefully, you know, one session minimum, but who knows? We might do two sessions. We don't know the details yet, but it's going to be on January 2, first Sunday of 2022. And we want to start the right way because God wants to give you hope starting in the next season of next year to plant that, that, that encouragement to let you know that God is going to work in your life. Can I get an amen? Amen. I feel the hope in this place. And so anyway, our talk for today, it's called this. This is talk number 12. Talk number 12, right, Brother Bo? Talk number 12, it's called Stewardship versus Negligence. I hope you guys are ready because God's about to drop a word today. Are you ready? Everybody say, I'm ready. Type it in the chat box, say, I'm ready. All right, let's all begin signifying the greatest symbol of love. Join me in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Everybody, open your hands outward and say this with me. Today, I receive all of God's love from me. Today, I open myself to the unbounded, limitless, overflowing abundance of God's universe. Today, I open myself to God's blessings, healings, and miracles. Today, I open myself to God's Word so that I become more like Jesus every day. Today, I proclaim that I'm God's beloved. I am God's servant. I am God's powerful champion. And because I am blessed, I am blessing the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody lift your hands. Join me in singing this wonderful prayer. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto Praise God, praise God. We're going to read from a beautiful gospel story today. And, um, well, it's a parable that comes from the book of Matthew, chapter uh, 25, verse 14. And some of you have probably already read this. If those of you who are online are sitting down, can I invite you just to stand up? I forgot to say that. Just as reverence and honor 
for, 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 the God, for the Word of God. And so Jesus tells us this parable. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver. Another version of the Bible used the term talents. Everybody say talents. He gave five bags of silver or talents to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. And then he left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and then earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Now after a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together, he said. The servant who had received the two bags of silver also came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest and I have earned two more. And the master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you more responsibility. Let's celebrate together. And then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops where you did not plant and gathering crops where you did not cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid. I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. You know, one of the reasons why Jesus' teaching was so revolutionary was that He would tell a story, and just when you thought you knew the ending, Jesus would flip it. Just like this, it says here, verse 26, But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops where I did not plant and gathered crops I did not cultivate, why did you not deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. And then he ordered, Take the money from the servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. To those who use well, what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray. Bow down your heads. You can close your eyes if that's comfortable for you. Father, this is your word. It's alive and active, and it's powerful the moment we receive it. Truth is, Lord, we are limited by our understanding of your word, but with the Holy Spirit helping us, Father, we believe that you are able to speak this message at the level of our understanding. Right now, we open ourselves, and I ask you, Jesus, to use me, to use my voice as an instrument to speak your word. Father, I pray for somebody here people who are on the other side of the screen, someone who needs to hear this message. Remove whatever blockages, whatever hinders them from receiving this word. Let your word flow out like liquid, like water into the life of your, of your child today. This is our prayer 
Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's glorify the Lord one more time, everybody. Let's sing together. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Give the Lord a big hand, everybody. Love it today. Praise Him today. Hallelujah. We praise you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Feel free to take your seats. You can park yourself comfortably, but not too comfortable. Touch your neighbor and say, not too comfortable, my friend, because God's going to disturb you today. Let's thank our worship team for bringing the presence of God so tangibly. Come on, clap your hands for our worship team. Let's thank them for, whew, so good. You know, we, we, we had a missing servant this morning, Ram, who was going to play the drums, but you know, by God's grace, we have very talented people here. I approached Bene without even blinking an eye. He said yes, he was gonna supposed to play the drums. But Gab, who's also here in Bulacan, he volunteered to, to, to do the drums. And so we've, we're surrounded with talented people. Do you agree? You believe the person beside you is talented? You, you don't sound too convincing. You believe the person beside you is talented? Make them hear that so they can encourage them. I, I got a question for you. All right, here's a word that we're going to preach, by the way, before I forget. I want you to preach to somebody beside you just because I can't reach you. You can type it in the chat box if you will. If you're online, here's the message for today. Don't lose your biggest blessing. Can you tell that to somebody? Don't lose your biggest blessing. Amen. I got an honest question for all of you today. Um, how many of you think that you are an obedient person. Can you raise your hand? Come on. Obedient people. Raise your hand. A little higher so people can see you. We got a few people here. Some people are, think that they're not obedient. <laughs> let's, let's qualify that for those of you who raised your hand. What do I mean when I say you're an obedient person? If I ask you, Sis Maru, to do something for me right this moment, you're sitting very comfortable in your chair right now. If I ask you to walk seven kilometers to the nearest Banco de Oro branch, would you do it? No. Obedient people who raise your hand, would you do it? Would you walk? No, right? I mean, that, that would be crazy. But, listen to me. If I, uh, if I tell you that when you arrive at that Banco de Oro branch where I ask you to walk, one of the members of the C family will give you 7 billion pesos. Would you now do it? Raise your hand if you're going to do it. Come on. Raise your hand. Really? Some people don't want 7 billion pesos? What are you, billionaires? What about the others? You need that kind of money? 7 billion pesos? You would do it, right? Absolutely. Even if you don't raise your hand. See, what is my point? As you're walking towards the bank, chances are you're not even going to think how annoying Brother Audi is by asking me to walk that far. You're not even going to think how hard it is, how many steps that will be because you're already thinking you've got 7 billion reasons to go to that bank, Right? What is my point? My point is very simple. It's easy to obey a command when you know that there's something waiting for you, a great reward waiting for you on the other side, right? Can I get an amen? It's easy to follow someone when you know that there's something in it for you. And yet, when Jesus tells us to love our enemies and to love the poor and to feed the hungry and to forgive those who wronged us, sometimes we don't do it. Why? Because we forget you have to be reminded today that there is something greater than 7 billion pesos that Jesus promises you. There is a reward that is infinitely greater than money that waits for you. What is that reward? Life with Jesus. 
eternal life. How many of you want life with Jesus? I hope and pray that your obedience to God is unlocked as we study the story for today. It's a very beautiful parable, which I'm sure you guys have heard. This has been preached by so many pastors and priests and, and, and preachers. And I hope and pray that God will reveal a special, a special fresh message today. We're going to teach you three lessons. Three lessons. How many? Three. Three lessons from this parable. I'll teach you two. Brother Bo will teach you one and then he end this with a bang. Here's the first lesson. Get out your writing materials. Get out your phones. You can take a screenshot. But we do hope that you can take notes. All right? Here's the first lesson. I want you to know that you are more blessed than you think you are. You're more blessed than you think you are. You believe that? How many of you believe that? That you're more blessed than you think you are? In this story, it's very simple. You've got three servants given a tremendous amount of money. A huge amount of money. A preposterous amount of money. How much it says here? It says that in verse 15, the master gave them five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last. That's a lot of money. I'll tell you how much money that is. But I want to give you a little alternate take on this story. You know, one of the things that I love about the parable is this. I don't know if you've ever experienced reading the Bible. Maybe you can raise your hand or type relate if you feel with me, feel this with me. Have you ever stumbled upon a passage again and again? And every single time you read that passage, God speaks a new message to you about it. Have you ever experienced that? God speaks something completely new. And parables are like that. A parable is a story that's open to any interpretation. And so Jesus tells this parable. And so to me, when I was reading this, God spoke a different thing to me. And I want you to walk with me for a few moments, okay? I want you to imagine, yes, we know that this third servant buried his coins, his talents. Why? Because he was afraid. But I want you to walk with me for a moment, indulge me on this. What if, could it be possible that this servant, he wasn't just afraid, that's because he hid the money because he was afraid, but could it be possible that he was also offended? Think about it. He was offended. He was a little bit envious. What if he saw the master give to the first servant five bags of silver? And then he saw how the master gave two bags of silver to the second servant. And now he was waiting for the master to give him his share. He was thinking he would get the same share. But then when he receives his bag, he's like, seriously? <laughs> I mean, seriously? Come on, boss. Seriously, Lord? This is all you're giving me? While all my friends and neighbors and cousins are getting married, having babies, I can't even get one good suitor? Seriously, Lord? While all my friends and my ex-classmates and my former playmates are building great careers and bigger houses and, and great lives, I'm still stuck in this dead-end job? Seriously, Lord? This is what you're giving me? Well, everybody else seems to be getting blessed more than me. It seems like you don't love me as much. Seriously, Lord. You know, let me speak this to you. If you've ever felt offended because you see that others are getting blessed more than you, here's a word for you. You need to know this. Did you know that one bag of silver back then, one talent, so to speak, you want to know how much it was? Ask me how much. A little bit louder. How much? It was equivalent to 20 years worth of wages. Somebody say, that's a lot. That's a lot. 
Even if you're earning minimum wage, that's still a lot. What is Jesus trying to teach us in this parable? Very simple. One talent is a lot. One blessing is a lot. If you've got breath right now, you've got a lot. If you used your legs walking into this place today, you've got a lot. If you woke up this morning today, you've got a lot. If somebody loves you right now, you've got a lot, my friend. Touch somebody beside you and say, you've got a lot. You've got a lot. You know, there comes a point in your life where you need to stop complaining about what you don't have and instead start praising God. I said start praising God. Start praising God for what you actually have. You know, grateful people know this. Grateful people are happy people. Why? Because they're the ones who see their blessings. The greater your gratitude, my dear friend, the greater the gifts that you will possess. Why? Because even the small blessings become so big in your eyes. So I want you to say this with me. Put your hand over your chest. I'm blessed more than I think I am. I hope you're receiving this. Here's the second lesson. You need to learn how to handle your blessings. You need to learn, in other words, how to manage your blessings. Honest question. Wasn't it a little bit unfair that the master gave each servant an unfair amount of money? To the first, he gave five. To the second, he gave two. To the last, he gave one. Wasn't it a little bit unfair? Did the master play favorites? And here's an alternate question. Does God, who is represented in the story, does God play favorites? What do you think? Does God play favorites? No, right? Absolutely not. But why did the master give? unequal amounts to each servant. Actually, the answer there is there already in verse 15. It says that Jesus says that the master divided it in proportion to their abilities. In proportion to their abilities. I don't know about you, but I find so much comfort in knowing that. This should encourage someone here to know that God will never judge you according to the scorecard of somebody else. What do I mean by that? For example, I think and I believe that I am a, a decent basketball player. Decent at best. And I'm talking about pre-pandemic, okay? Pre-pandemic, don't judge me. Post-pandemic, I'm just like you. You know, I'm, I'm indecent. I'm, I'm, un I'm unhealthy. Not like Brother Bo who bikes every day and says Maru and, and the kids. But, you know, I, I need to get my exercise. But now, it used to be back then when I was playing basketball that, you know, I, I, I don't have the height for it. But I have the speed for it. I used to run track when I was in, in, in grade school and in high school. And I would blitz my way up and down that court quicker than anybody else. But you know, if you put me in a dunking contest with, with LeBron James, Zach Levine, or, or the late Kobe Bryant, or Ayo Barcelona, you know, chances are the judge will take one good look at me and put a negative sign on that perfect death sign. <laughs> That's, that's what will happen. I don't even have to try to dunk the ball. I know that the judge will give me a negative 10. But you know what? It's fine. I'm fine by it. You know why? Because I know that a good judge will never base my talents on the talents of somebody else. You know, God is a good judge. God will not judge you based on the talent that He gave somebody else. Some of you are saying, you know, but Brother Audie, I'm just a, I'm just a one-talent guy. I'm, I'm just a two-talent guy, you know. I don't have the same influence as they do. I don't have the same background as they do. I'm not as good as Jerick on the piano. I'm not as good as, as Richmond on the guitar. I'm not as good as Benny on the drums. I don't have the same talents as they do. I don't have the same gifts as they do. Okay, stop that. Stop that. You need to focus not on the talents that God gave other people, but the talents He gave you. 
In fact, let me, let me give you a true story. True story. You, you know, my dad, my dad grew up and lived his whole life with just one good eye. One good eye. Why? Because when he was four years old, his cousin was playing with the handgun of his dad, who was a soldier back then during the Japanese era, and he accidentally pulled the trigger. And by some coincidence, the bullet flew to the other room where my dad was in, and it hit him square in the left eye, blinded him instantly. But you know what? By some miracle, my dad lived, obviously, because I'm here. My dad lived. He lived a full life until he was 62 years old. But you know, my dad could not do the normal things that a lot of people could do. In fact, one time, I was, I think, about 12 or 13 years old. I walked into my dad's bathroom, and he was crunched over. He was in a counter, you know, cleaning a little something. I thought he was tinkering with something. And as I approached, I, I, I saw that he was cleaning a small marble. And as I got even closer, I realized that it was a plastic eye. My dad could remove his eye and clean it with a toothbrush. My dad is a real terminator. He, he's a cyborg. And, 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 you know, and that's when I realized that, you know, my dad, he, he wore sunglasses all his life. And people used to think that he was this crazy guy, you know, who would wear sunglasses at eight o'clock in the evening. But it's because my dad had a plastic eye and, you know, he couldn't do a lot of things that normal people could do. Like for instance, he couldn't play basketball. He couldn't do sports. He couldn't do, you know, uh, he couldn't do football or, 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 or he couldn't do frisbee. I, I want to give you this quick example. Can you close your left eye? Come on, close your left eye. Close your left eye. Indulge me. See that? The person on your left can be making a face at you right now and you won't even know it. <laughs> you see that blind spot? You don't see it. Imagine somebody tossing a frisbee in your face to your left side. That smack you in the face. And so my dad couldn't do the normal things that other people could do. But you know what? My dad could also do other things that normal people could not do. Like for instance, my dad, my dad was a fantastic, amazing sketch artist. You know, when my dad was, was, was learning how to sketch, he was self-taught, by the way. Can we show a little bit of his drawings on the slides? My dad, he, he drew this through using charcoal, pencil. He drew these faces. You've got Dean, uh, who, who's this? Bing, Bing Crosby, I think. Uh, uh, we don't have Father Bob here to ask who that is. Maybe Sis Maru can confirm. Is that, is, that, is that Bing Crosby? There's another person here by the name of Roy Rock Fitzgerald. Does anybody know Rock Fitzgerald? My dad used to draw people and he used to sketch them. My dad was an amazing pianist. Self-taught. He could hear a song once, 30 minutes after he could be playing that piano. Amazing, amazing guy. My dad was a voracious reader. He, he would consume books uh, once a day. And you know, before the age of 40, he already had a mini library at home. And I'm not talking about a bunch of books. I'm talking about an actual library with index cards where you can actually search for it. He had a mini library. And so, you know, my dad couldn't do a lot of things, but the things that he could do with the strength that God gave him, he was so obedient with his talents. Are you obedient with the talents that God gave you? Are you growing those talents? Or maybe you're like the third servant who buried the talents, who sat on the talents. Think about this for a moment. What if the five-talent guy, once upon a time, was just a one-talent guy? But because he was so faithful he was so hardworking, 
he worked his way. And God entrusted him with more. Now he became a five-talent guy. You might be a one-talent guy right now, sitting there in that seat, watching online. You could be a one-talent girl right now, but guess what? Here's the good news. You don't have to stay like that. You don't have to remain like that. You can get better. Touch somebody beside you and say, you can grow. You can grow. You can read books. Read Brother Bo's books. You can attend conferences. Attend Feast Conference. You can, you can attend seminars. You can seek help. You can get counseling. You can get a spiritual mentor. You can grow. You can grow. You don't have to stay that way. You know, I believe this, that there is a real danger when you play it safe in life. Because it seems to me that in this story, the one thing that the master would not tolerate was a spirit of safety. Wouldn't tolerate a spirit of safety. I remember in the book of Genesis, God said this. He said, be faithful and maintain. Uh, no. Did God say that? Only Brother Bo caught that. God didn't say that. God said, be fruitful and multiply. Faithfulness, my dear friend, it's not about maintenance. It's about multiplication. We got a God of multiplication. God loves to multiply fish and loaves and miracles in your life. God is the one who loves to turn what is little into a lot. So faithfulness is not about maintaining what I have right now, but faithfulness is about multiplying what God has given me. You see, the greatest danger in life, my dear friend, it's not that you would fail, but the greatest danger is that you would not be faithful. Faithfulness is not all about, you know, trying not to be fraudulent. This guy wasn't fraudulent. He did not cheat. He did not steal. He just buried the money. But the problem was there. He might have not, not have been fraudulent, but he was complacent. He sat on the master's money. I wonder how many of you have been gifted with a talent right now and an ability and a gift, but you're sitting on that talent, sitting on the master's money, sitting on influence, sitting on impact, sitting on potential that God has given you. It's time you tell somebody right now, get up. Tell somebody beside you right now, get up. You got to work that gift. You know, God calls us to give our life to Him. I mean, that's basic. But the moment you give your life to the Lord, it doesn't end there. Your job now is to bring a knowledge of the Lord to other people. God did not put you in that company just so that you could survive. God did not put you in that relationship just so that you could feel a little bit good about yourself. God did not put you in that organization just so that you could have a position or a title. God put you there so that you could spread the gospel and multiply his love to the whole world. Clap your hands. Come on, that's a good place to clap in. God doesn't call you to maintain what you have in your hands, but he's calling you to multiply that. God is a God of multiplication. He says to you, be fruitful and multiply. Don't lose your greatest blessing, my dear friend. Somebody say that out loud. Don't lose your greatest blessing. Don't lose your biggest blessing. What is your biggest blessing? Plain and simple. It's not a thing. It's a who. It's God himself. Why? Because he's the one who's blessing you. Don't lose the greatest blessing. Don't lose the blesser in your life. What is the greatest blessing that God will ever give to you? It's this season where you receive the presence of Jesus in your life. 
Are you ready to receive the presence of Jesus in your life? You don't sound convincing. I don't believe you. Are you ready to receive the presence of Jesus in your life? Then give him a clap offering right now. Ah, praise God. Praise God. To continue this message, I'm going to call my dear friend, none other than Brother Bo Sanchez. Put your hands together, Brother Bo. Thank you, Audie. Give a big hand to Audie Villarasa. Amazing, amazing word. Everybody say that again. Don't lose your blessing. What was the core message of this parable in Matthew? And for you to know the core message of this parable, you need to look at context. Everybody say context. Context. Matthew the writer, we talked about this in previous talks, he wrote not only a parable, he wrote a gospel. So to understand the meaning, the core message of the parable, you have to connect it to the gospel. What many people do, me included, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of this many times, is that you get the, the, the parable and you truncate it, you cut it off the context. And that's like getting the wheel from the car. Now I want you to know that if you get the wheel out of the car, it's still useful. Some kids will get the wheel and roll it down a cliff and have fun. They would tie a rope around the wheel, put it in a steel frame and make it into a nice swing. Yes or no? But you see, the wheel cannot bring you to Baguio. A car can. What's with Baguio, Odi? I mean, why are we talking about Baguio here? We want to go there. You know, the, the parable is the wheel. And by itself, it's very useful, but you need to connect it to the car because God wants to bring you somewhere. He wants to tell you something. Do you understand what I'm saying now? So what is, what is, why did Matthew locate this parable in that particular section? What is God trying to say? And if you just take a few verses before that parable, in that vicinity of that parable, Jesus, he talked about the religious leaders, Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes of the law. They were doing a horrible job representing God. That's what Jesus said. And then after that, Jesus talks about the temple, that the temple was going to be destroyed. Now you connect that together with the parable, and this is what it means. Everybody say, see it. You don't know what that means, okay? The third servant, the one who got one bag of silver and kept it, that third servant represents the religious leaders. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, everybody say, ah, okay. The third servant represents the religious leaders who were given a bag of silver, but it was not a bag of silver. They were given the temple. And they didn't do a good job because the temple was supposed to be the sacred place. Everybody say, I'm listening. 
the temple was supposed to be the sacred place where God encounters man. Especially, everybody say especially. The sinner and the broken and the hurting and the rejected and the ostracized and the poor. And that was not happening. Because this, the temple has become under their stewardship a bastion of self-righteousness and religious pride and, and greed and exploitation. Are you listening to what I'm saying? And so in 70 AD, a Roman general by the name of Titus comes into Jerusalem and destroys the temple, takes away the bag of silver. But I've got news for you. Everybody say, I'm ready to receive it. God has created a new temple. And He has made you the temple of His presence. And everybody put your hands over your chest and say, I'm a new temple. I'm God's temple. Everybody say, God lives in me. Everybody say, God is with me. You know, during tough times, tell yourself, God is with me. When temptation is coming in your life, say, God is with me. When you're worried and when you're anxious, say, God is with me. I, I love saying that. I, I want you to know that's one of the favorite things I do. Just a while ago, you know, I was just telling that to myself, God is with me. And, you know, every time I say, God is with me, it just my, as if my whole body relaxes. This is where you really relax. You know, God is with me. But here's the thing. God has given you the greatest blessing. You're a servant. And God is giving you not a bag of silver. He's giving you your greatest blessing. He's giving you His presence. You are that temple. And here's my question. Is your life a sacred place where God and man meet? Can everybody stand up here in this place? That when people see you, they see a temple. They see God. When people hear you, they hear God. When people experience you, they experience God. When, 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 when people are in your presence, do they have a glimpse of the presence of God? I want you to know that if I look at my life, the answer is, wow, that's a tall order. Me, the temple. The religious leaders, they buried this temple. They did not allow the purpose of the temple to be fulfilled. It just became about all, all about themselves, all about themselves, all about themselves. And God is speaking to you today. And God is saying, I decided 
I'm going to live in you. And I'm going to be with you 24-7. Will your life be this beautiful, sacred place where I can meet the broken, the hurting, the wounded, the rejected? Will your life be this temple? Don't bury the presence of God. Be that presence in this world. I can think now of some people in my life. I'm imagining their faces because of their kindness, because of their goodness, because of how they smiled, because of the way they served. I'm thinking of cooks and singers and entrepreneurs and nurses and clerks and farmers and fishermen. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of different people in my life, people I've met, where when I met them, I met God. I met God because, you know, I'm an entrepreneur aside from being a missionary and a preacher and 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 as an entrepreneur I want my products to be a representative of God and that when 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 my customers experience that product they experience somehow a foretaste a taste of who God is and of his love again this is a tall order and it's impossible it really is but that's why we need God. How many of you need God to do that miracle in your life? That you can fulfill that role. That you don't become like those religious leaders who bury the temple. But you want your life to be that temple. That sacred, beautiful place where people encounter God. Everybody say that with me. God, I need you. God, I need you. I do not want to lose my biggest blessing. You in my life. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Subscribe to Feast Radio and open yourself to God's grace. For more podcasts like these, visit feast.ph radio.